they saw, uh, uh, worship here on Sunday, but uh, it wasn't online. No, it wasn't streamed. Uh, Ines is as fault. Wait a second. Okay. Uh, I repent. <laughs> but Linda did a fantastic job. And uh, Larry did a wonderful job. I really love that man. Uh, he's a preacher, a pastor. He knows what it is to be a pastor. And uh, I truly appreciate and love him. It's a lot of humility there. And I'm very grateful for God sending people like that to our church. Uh, that frees Angela and I to go wherever we want. <laughs> Amen. Tonight, stand up again. As we read this particular scripture, please give me uh, Jeremiah chapter 2. You thought I was going to go back to the confession, right? (laughs) I'm not taking the communion by myself again. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32. It says, Can a virgin forget her ornaments? Can a woman go out without her earrings and not made up? They go right back home and get it done before coming back. It says, Or a bride attire. You can go to a wedding. And you're not decked out a bride, and that's un- unholy. Yet my people have forgotten me. Days without number. Days without number. My people forget me. Is that possible? The message tonight, I titled it number one. Simple. Father, I just ask that you help us tonight to understand your place in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. In uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says, Remember, God always wants you to remember that it's your God who gave you the power to get wealth. Basically, God says, don't forget me. Don't you ever forget me. We really need to understand this. And I'm probably speaking to the choir today, but people are watching you. They want to know what you are made out of. They want to know who you really are. What or what? Who is the most important person or what's the most important thing for you in life? If I spend an hour with you, will I be able to tell 
what or who is it most important in your life? Am I going to be able to say, I know who that person is. I don't know everything about you. But I know what or who is the most important thing about you. If Jesus cannot be deduced from your life and your conversation and the things that you do, that he is why you live. Notice the, the message is title number one. No, that's even wrong. He is your life. He doesn't want to be number one. Remember the scripture says, whatever you do in word and in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord. Everything you do. Everything you do. He is your life. And if I cannot tell that he is your life, most likely he's not there. He has to be number one. But basically, that's who you are. When I see you, I can tell. I've seen Jesus. He is the one. You represent him. And we should all strive to be that. We should all strive, just like people who followed and they wanted to meet Jesus. Remember Zacchaeus? He just wanted to see him. And he was excited. He couldn't believe it that Jesus was willing to be in his home. He lost everything and he said, nothing matters anymore. That money and everything I've worked for until now, the most important thing in my life, I'll give all away. I'll give tenfold. It doesn't matter. I got what I was looking for. Yet he was regarded as a sinner. But Jesus came into his life. And I'm sure Jesus was sitting there, and I didn't know they were sitting there with God Almighty. They had no idea. But Zacchaeus was so filled with joy. And Jesus was there. I'm sure they all laughed when Zacchaeus was making his proclamation. Nobody told him to do that. Nobody asked him to repent. There was no message. Jesus wasn't even preaching. But he's found what he needed in life. He found life. And nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. And uh, Jesus announced salvation is come to this house. Not the man, the house. His life totally changed. Planted on the rock. He found life. The Bible says, he who thinks he stands. Let him think again. Lest you fall. That's for the New Testament Christians. Today, Christians are doing crazy stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, crazy stuff. No humility. They just don't even... Sometimes you wonder if they even think God still is there. The way they behave. And people are watching them. Stubborn. Easily offended. Won't forgive. Are you wondering... You thinking about heaven? This is important. He caused the life of God. They've got to see you and they begin to think, I want what she's got. 
this light there. It is something about you that I, I, don't, I don't have. I don't have it. You still have all the issues of life. They know you're human. They know you're not perfect. But they know who lives in you. And they can see through. And they can see the light in your life. And that's attractive to them. But when Jesus is no longer fully your life, the light is dimmed and they can see it very much. They can see a little, but not much. And they're not attracted. We got to make Jesus number one. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest you fall. And that's for every one of us, including pastors. For every one of us. Don't think, well, I gave my life to Christ last time. Maybe this is not something to preach on Wednesday night. But we all need this. We all need it. Because especially for us. I was there on Wednesday, so I'm doing better. No, you're not. There's more to it. There's more to this. There's more to this. Let me show you something. How serious this is in the mind of Christ. You read in Revelation chapter chapter 2, beginning from verse 1 through 5, it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. Another angel, then there's not, I mean, there wasn't an angel in the church of Ephesus that was right there. Angel there represents the pastor of the church. So write to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, these things. It says, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand. He was writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor. So those churches were stars. In other words, he is the spiritual life of those churches. He who holds their spiritual life. It says, Write to them because I hold them. Right hand is God. Right hand is their spiritual life. He has it in his has their spiritual life in his right hand. And then who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. In other words, he's in the midst of his church. His people is always there. If he's not there and he's not walking among the lampstand, and the lampstand is taken away, there is no more Christianity. It's just a social club. God's no longer there. And we have a lot of it happening. Maybe at home and in church, wherever. They say God's there. But listen to this. Just listen to this. It says it very clearly here. I know your works. I know your works. And let me tell you tonight. He knows your works. He knows. This is to the church. But really to every individual. He knows exactly what you're doing. That means he's expecting you to be working. For him. And I want him to know what I'm doing. I know. You can hide it from me. I know your works. I know your works, he says. I know your works and your labor. What? You have to labor for God. Not just going to church. There is labor. There is labor. If you haven't gotten it now, especially those that just come on Sunday morning, there's labor for every Christian. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, don't labor for the food or bread that perishes, right? But labor 
for the food that leads to eternal life. Christianity involves labor. Not going to church and singing. No, there is labor in this. It's much more than what the church is talking about today. It's your life. When you go to work, it's not to work to, is it not to work to have a living? Make a living, right? Well, yeah, that's labor. For your spiritual life. Really for your life. Because for the Christian, everything you do is spiritual. Everything you do is spiritual. The way you treat your wife, that's spiritual. If you treat your wife badly, I know where you are spiritually. You treat your husband, everything that you do, whatever you do in word and in deed, do it in the name of the Lord. Can you in the name of the Lord speak to your wife the way you're doing? Can you do the same thing to your husband? Everything, that's what's spiritual. He knows your works and your labor. He does know. It's not just going to church, we're forgotten. It's like, it's about ministry, about church. Those things things are silly. It's about living for Him. So He's pleased with your life. And making Him number one in your life. Number one means He is your life. When I use the word number one, I hate even that title, number one. He can be number one so you can have number two and number three. It's nothing like that. He is your life. And if you are not living for Him, He is not number one and He's not number two. He's nowhere there. He's got to be your life. He's got to be a serious business. He's got to be serious. Now listen. I know your works. Your labor and your patience. (laughs) Patience? And that's a word for Christians today, right? (laughs) Patience? Oh Lord, have mercy. I know your patience. Why is he talking about patience? Because everything for a Christian will not be going really well at all times. Hello? And he's watching for your patience. How you handle it. You're going to get mad. I mean, today is crazy in church. They're so easily offended. Every little thing offends them. They want to go to some other church. Well, make it real quick. It's not about the Ark Fellowship. It's about the kingdom of God. That's what it is. So easily offended. No patience. Zimmerman said, well, somebody spent some time. You know, I've been a pastor. I don't have a lot of experience. But I depend on him. That's all. Somebody spent the time arranging the, the pulpit and, and getting flowers there. Somebody says to me, well, I don't like it because that feather there, a peacock tail. It looks like eyes looking at me. It's like evil eye. Take it off. I said, why didn't you do it in the first place? So you don't have to complain. Some other person did it. Now you don't like it. It doesn't make sense. You're a Christian. You are afraid of an evil eye. 
The focus is not where it's supposed to be. You see, when you are truly focused on Christ, and He's taking everything, you don't see those things. They are not important to you. You see Him, and everything is beautiful. When you see through His eyes, everyone is beautiful. You don't criticize people. You don't even see what they do, because love covers a multitude of sin. You don't see them. Somebody says, to Tia Lusbon, don't you see how terrible American church is? I can see what you see. Everything is beautiful here. Have you been overseas? Amen. When there is love for God in your heart, and that translates to love for men, you don't see all this silly stuff. The things that perish with your using, you're so focused on that. And you're so upset about this. I'm going to leave the church because of a feather. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. We're laughing, but that's what's going on in the church. It's frightening. Sometimes you just overlook it and don't even bother about it. I mean, how are you going to meet with Jesus if you die offended and he's talking to you? Well, I got mad because the feather was there. That doesn't make sense. But that's what's happening. The reason is what the Bible is talking about here. Patience. Work. Labor. For God. And Jesus is walking in your midst. Because you are the lamp. He, he knows the lampstand. You know, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. He knows they are watching and he is walking around you. But you are not for concerned about the one walking around you. All you are concerned about all these things that don't matter. Things that perish with the using. That's what we see. When things bother me, I ask God because I know I'm not better than anybody else. And I, I need grace. I ask God, please help me. I don't want to be that way. Amen. I have the potential, but I don't want to give me grace. Help me not to be that way. I want to see you in peace. I want to see you face to face. Like Paul says, a great entrance. That's what is important. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Today, everybody has to be politically right. Young people are getting upset because Christians are narrow-minded. Oh, really, I'm very narrow-minded. If God doesn't like it, I walk in that narrow path. Look at what it says. You cannot stand them. That's what he's saying. Not just what they do. You can quote me. I didn't say it. That's Jesus speaking in Revelation. Right? That's what he says. You cannot bear those who do evil. You can't handle, you can't stand them. That's scripture. But you want your own way. You think you know better than God. You're going to tell him what's right and what's wrong. Let me tell you, indifference is sin before God. Indifference is sin. He knows your works. And he knows what you're doing. You want to be loved by the world? That's the issue. A person is not evil. He may be evil before the eyes of people when he says, I don't think that's right. 
And I, I'm, not, I'm not in that camp. Yes, in the eyes of many, maybe evil. But God says, he was commending the church of Ephesus. I like what you're doing. I see your works. I see your patience. What patience? Because they have to endure certain things. People don't like what they're saying. They don't like what they're doing. Listen, let, me, let me finish that so you can get a better picture of it. It says, you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles. That's even in the church. And they are not. Basically, these guys, they were serious about this matter. You have found them to be liars. You think they found them to be liars and kept them in church? No, they were mad at them. We don't tolerate you guys here. That's what they were doing. And Jesus was commending them for it. Today we want, we want to be liked by everybody. Let me tell you, everybody's not going to like you. Just settle the matter. As a pastor, I hear all kinds of things. Some of it is good. So I'm, I'm, I, when it's a good praise, I like it. <laughs> but I thank you very much. That's it because I know before long, and the, the next one that hits me is not going to be good to hear. So you level them out, right? You level them out. It's good to hear the good ones, but I also know the bad ones. But I've taken it as part of my life. I can hear all this crazy stuff. It doesn't bother you. Because that's not where my life is. I can't defend myself. He is the one to defend me. And he is the one that really matters. So let them keep talking. It doesn't matter. <coughs> Excuse me. Isaiah 54 says, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the inheritance heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness or their vindication is of me. God's going to vindicate me if I stay with him. But if what they're saying about me is true, I need to repent. I say, well, I don't mind what they're saying. When I'm doing wrong, no, turn around. They can still be talking about what you were doing, but you've already made the turn. That's their business. Turn around. Do what's right. So are you examining? Yes. Are they right? They're not right. God, what's going on? I don't understand. I can, I can handle I can endure it. I can be patient with it. Don't get offended. Don't get mad at them. Don't say, God, hammer them. Prove to them that I'm right. I don't care about whether I'm right or wrong. There's only one person to do that with. He knows. Amen? He knows. It's for all of us. You've tested them. And you know that they are not apostles. They are not. And you found them to be liars. And you have persevered. It's not always going to be right. You have persevered. And have patience. And have labored for my name. You see that? He knows when you are laboring for his name. And have not become weary. Wouldn't you like to hear that from Jesus talking to you about that? Wouldn't it be wonderful? He knows your labor. And you continue laboring. 
and he knows even though things are hard, you're not weary in well-doing. But then he says, this is the important thing, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So in spite of everything that you've done, he's still not happy because you left your first love. Yes, you labor. Yes, you're fighting those who are trying to bring things into the church that shouldn't be there. And you are not worried by the persecution. You are holding up. But God looks down. And that's what he's doing in every heart. He's saying, yeah, but the, the, the fervency you had before, he's no longer there. You're falling a little bit from your first love. So what does he want? He wants you to stay with your first love. The way you were when you first found him. Your first love. Your first love. He is writing to the church in Ephesus. You know what Paul said about the church in Ephesus? Now, this letter came 53 years after Paul first showed up in Ephesus. And that, the, 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 that's the first time Paul came. Paul ministered there. Uh, Eventually, John actually lived in that place, the one who gave us revelation. And uh, tradition tells us that's where he lived and died. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the same place. And he's writing to, to the people in Ephesus. And this letter came 35 years after Paul. When Paul, Paul was gone. And he was the elder, John. 35 years later. But if you read what Paul wrote about Ephesus, you can tell, the Ephesians says, you can tell something has happened. They didn't abandon Jesus. Okay? They didn't abandon going to church. Can you see? They were still doing works for God. The only problem Jesus found with them is you have abandoned, I have this against you. You want Jesus to be against you? I found this against you. You have left your first love. Now, if you read in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning from verse 15, it's Paul speaking when he, when he, after he ministered, and he ministered there for a long time. It was a great church, but probably they called the epistle to Ephesians the queen of the epistles. And so Paul was writing to them, and, and then he says, he says this, Therefore I also, after I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and what? Your love. Your love. I uh, didn't only hear about your faith. I also heard about your love. And now Jesus is saying, the fervency of your love has been diminished. And I have that against you. I have that against you. You're no longer, you're still going to church, you're still ministering, you're still doing all of that stuff, but there's something missing. Where is the passion for God? Like you had before. Where is that? That's why it's not just making God first. 
<laughs> because that means for some people it translates, I was in church on Sunday. And I also went on Wednesday. And that's not what we're talking about. God looks beyond that. What's primary in your mind? God says, I don't want you to forget me. He said, they've forgotten me a long, long time. God's not there. You know, I was listening to some message. Uh, not a message. It's just like a, it's not a testimony, but talked about this woman. She started, she started uh, a prayer meeting where she prayed like four hours every day. Four hours every day. And God was really doing the work. In, in her life. And she, I mean, she had that gift. I pray, but believe me, I don't pray four hours. They're just straight like that. And I, my mind will be swimming all over the place. I got too many things I thought you know, I need to do. But she was able to do it. And God was blessing it. He was there with her. And then she went on vacation. And she told herself, I, 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 it's vacation just for two weeks. And she, she, she abandoned doing that during the vacation. She never got back to that same place. It was gone. She could never go back to that level anymore. You don't take a vacation from your devotion to Christ. He is your life. He is your life. He's got to be your life. You're forsaking he says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And then he says, you must recover it. That means you can. You can. He says, remember. Remember. Again, the word remember comes in. Because you have forgotten. Remember the way it used to be when you first found Jesus. How important it was to you. The, your church attenders. How were you like in those days when you first found Jesus? If you've stopped and you've relaxed, guess what? You've abandoned your first love. He has that against you. And that's not a good place to be. You're still going to church, just like the efficient Christians. They hadn't abandoned God. But Jesus didn't like what was happening in them. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. See, when you abandon your first love, guess what's going on? You're falling away from Christ. You used to study the scriptures. I'm not talking about make Jesus number one so I read scriptures. No, that thing was important to you. You used to spend time maybe waking up morning to pray. Why did you abandon that? Were you doing it for somebody to see? He sees it. He is walking. You are the candle, the lamp. He's walking over you. He knows what's going on. He knows your works. I said this song, God, this musician wrote, he says, I miss my time with you. In other words, he expects you at a given time. God's like that. He's the person. He had a special time to meet with Adam, you remember? And Adam knew the time. You think God has changed? He still has, he, he still has a time for you. He's waiting for you. He knows when you're tired. But you can give him the sacrifice when you're tired, but you have an appointment with God, and you still make it. He knows when you're not feeling well, 
and you, you, you deserve to take some time off, but something inside of you pulls you, I got to go be with him. I was listening to, I think it was Bill Johnson. You know Bill Johnson? Um, the one in California? Yeah. He was saying, now I know the secret with Benny here, Benny here uh, way back then. They were in a, in a place and they were eating and he says, if you're around, I think it was Bill Johnson I was listening to, you couldn't tell, is this Benny here? He looks like a kid. He was like playing, just like everybody else, no big deal. And he was thinking, this is the Benny here. You know, the miracles and all of that. And they were eating and he was just joking and playing. And then all of a sudden, he wasn't talking anymore. His food was still right in front of him. He hadn't eaten much. And they were wondering, is something going on? Why is he not jovial anymore? And finally, put his, uh, what he was using, his fork and knife, and put everything down. He was just staying there. And later he told them, I've got to go. He wants me. And left everything and went up. Then Bill Johnson, I believe it was Bill, he says, now I know why God uses him. Can God deal with you that way? He said, God, you know, I know you understand. Let me finish my meal first. Okay? Let me finish my meal first. But for Benny, that's number one. That's number one. More important than the food. I can get back to that again. Don't matter. But you don't know. You have to understand. When Jesus said, I have this against you, that means there's something that had been hurting him. Right? There's been a pain in his heart. They don't love me like they used to. Uh, I don't want that for my life. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Amen? You shouldn't want that for your life. I don't care what this other pastor is doing. You're not that other pastor. It doesn't matter what this other Christian brother or Christian sister is doing. Don't join them. It's your, you know, I've said it. You know God does not have grandchildren? It's just all of that. No grandchildren. He deals with you as an individual. And so you follow God that way. You pursue after God. You know the way to love God? How do you love God? The way to love God? This is what the scripture says. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. So what is Jesus saying? I am to be your love. You know what the Bible says? If so, you must love the Lord your God with what? With what? If it's all your heart, is there any room for anybody there? If it's all your mind, is there room for anything else there? All your strength, is there room for it? He is your life. That's what he's saying. I've got to be your life. And if you have room in your love, for your mother more than, then you're not worthy of him. These are scriptures. Is he saying not to love your wife or love your family? That's not what he's saying. But the love for your family must pale with regards to your love for him. 
you know, I know what we think. You know, we're always thinking, love is the way I feel. That's not love. If love is the way we feel, many wives will be dead by now. <laughs> right? You're laughing, but is this true? Sometimes you're feeling good, something happens, you feel the other way, and you look at your wife, those eyes are deadly. And sometimes when mama looks up, it's better to leave the house. Because you might not survive it. Love has nothing to do with feelings much. It's what you give. Amen? What you're willing to sacrifice. That's real love. That's true love. It's a decision. It's a decision. It's a serious decision. You know, I'm kind of jumping ahead of this message. Time is almost gone, but you know, I think about Peter. We're coming to Peter. He professed his love for Jesus so much. He had demonstrated it. He left everything to follow Jesus. And the Bible tells us when the scripture was fulfilled, I call it prophecy, was fulfilled, and what Jesus told him, you deny me three times. And he says he went out, and what did he do? He wept, not just weeping, bitterly. He wept bitterly. Only God could tell the pain that man went through that night. I don't think he even slept a bit that night. He was so disappointed with himself. This was a man that he had known just for three years. He was so pained by what he had done and how he had fallen. You read in the scriptures, he never said a word about that to Jesus another time. It's too painful to talk about. Read. Never mentioned it. And guess what? Jesus never mentioned it either. But only what Jesus said to him, Do you love me more than this? That's all he wanted to know. Yeah, I know you failed. But am I still there like I was before you failed? Do you love me more than this? I just, I've, I've, you know, racked my mind to me. What was Jesus talking about? This, some people, preachers will tell you he was talking about fish. Peter didn't care much about fish. He lived that three years before. Right? He could care less. He told Jesus, read Matthew 19, he told Jesus, we've abandoned all to follow you. Remember that? Matthew 19, we abandoned all. He could care less about those things. And Jesus knew. He could care less. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Everything else. Everything else. You love me more than this. Some people say, more than the, apostles, the other apostles, that would be really terrible. I mean, if he's telling Jesus he loves Jesus more than the rest of us, I'll pull him aside. Remember, you denied him? Okay? You denied him. We heard you. 
I was around. John says, I saw you do. You were doing it. Yes, Lord, I do. No, that wasn't what Jesus, everything else. The whole world. You love me more than all of this. And you saw, you can tell from his life, everything was different for Peter from then on. Very different. He stayed with his master. And so God is wanting us. Go back to your first love. Don't compare yourself with people. And what they're doing. It's you and your God. He's watching your life. And what you're doing for him. That's what's important. That's what is important for him. He wants to know if you truly care about him. What do you do when things are rough? What do you do when things are not going the way they're supposed to go? The efficient Christians, they loved him. But like again I said, they didn't abandon him. But their heart was not as much in it as it was. God will always say, don't forget me. Remember, he even told the Israelites, raise up a memorial so when you see it, you don't forget. He's got to always be there in your heart. You carry him everywhere you go, in word and in deed, everything you do. People have to see that's who you are. If they're talking about, do you know any Christian around town? And if they know you, oh yes, I know one, I'll take you to him. He talks just like you. Let's go see him. That's the way he should be. He's got to be not just number one, but he's got to be your life. And I'll close with this. Think about your zeal for God. Is it the way it was before? Uh, tenderness. You know how when you were a new Christian, you could hardly be offended. Everything was beautiful. I remember uh, as a new Christian, I had a lot of trouble with my family and uh, people, friends and all of that. And they'll say very hard words. I wasn't concerned about what they called me. I think I remember one uh, friend of mine, he, he actually asked me, I just, I just insulted you badly. Why are you not angry at me? In those days, I, I had no, <laughs> I didn't know. I, basically, I told him, you didn't insult me. He said, I, I insulted you. Was, he came part of me. I said, no, it wasn't you. And what he, he knew where I was going. It was the devil that spoke to me. <laughs> but that's the way I was. <laughs> Everything was the devil. And uh, he got really mad after he found out I was saying the devil was speaking through him. But he wasn't the one... Uh, that's the way I saw it, life. It didn't bother what they said. I want to have that. Amen? doesn't matter what they're saying. They are not the enemy. Amen? The devil is the enemy. I don't take it to heart. Don't offend you. If we can, let's stop talking about that. Let me talk to you more about the love of Jesus. Your tenderness towards people. Your humility. How earnest are you? In your relationship with God, in your prayer life. How you quick to share with people when you can, when the opportunity comes. Your seriousness, soberness. The Bible talks about being sober, about the things of God. These things are very important. 
we need to take these things to heart. Um, in our current time, because you see what maybe others are doing who are called Christians, it's easy to feel, well, if they can be Christians and go to church and do that, I think I'm okay. You're not okay. You're not measuring yourself with other people. Measure yourself with Jesus, right? Is that not what the Bible says? He is our example. It's not what they're doing. It's what you're doing in your personal life towards God. Now, let me tell you this, and, and again, I need to close now. <laughs> I think it's a uh, preacher's syndrome, okay? <laughs> it's finally, and then another finally. Uh, God's going to test you whether you truly love him. And sometimes it's with a difficult problem. And he's going to stand back and watch how you handle it. That's his way. You know, the Bible talks about the way of the Lord. He's going to watch how you handle it. When people rise up against you, or things go bad in your life, or whatever it is, you can never predict. But God knows you, and he knows how to really give you the test. Okay? You want promotion, right? How many want promotion here? I want God to promote me. Now we got to take a test first, okay? And you got to pass the test. Please stand up with me tonight. <clears throat> so, sh- sh- should I tell you? Shall I tell you this? Your test is coming. You know why? You know why? Well, I'm glad you asked, okay? Let me say that. <laughs> I'm really glad you asked. You know why? You want to know why? Because you heard the message tonight. Your test is coming, okay? Would you lift your hands up to the Lord tonight and just tell Him. Tell Him you love Him. Tell Him you love Him. That's very important. Tell Him you love Him. For me, I just tell Him all the time. Lord, I love you. No matter what's come my way, I love you. I may not understand it. I don't know what you're doing, but I, I still love you, God. I, I know you are with me. I know you care so much about me. I know you love me. I know you take care of me. Even though things don't make sense now, maybe I will understand it later. But I, I love you, God. God, I truly love you. I love you. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for giving your life, eternal life. You gave eternal life to a mortal man so I can have eternal life. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful. So grateful to you. I feel so blessed that you are in my life. I feel so blessed that you gave me ears that could hear. And I heard your voice and I listened. Because of your grace and because of your mercy, I have everything because I have you. I'm grateful, God. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you turn around again, greet one another, and love one another as the Scripture commands us to do? Amen. God bless you.